0: Hello, actioneers! Welcome to the Attack Action Podcast. I'm Taylor, one of your hosts, and I'm joined with Colin, not Isaac. Surprise treat! You're welcome, everybody. What's up, Colin? What's up,
1: Taylor? 2023
0: coming in hot. Totally. First episode of the year. Hell yeah! Isaac has quit. Uh, he got too famous. From growing his own mustache, and the kind of universal galactic power that when three handsome mustached men create a podcast together uh, was too much for all of us to handle, so we yeah. drew straws and Isaac uh, quit because you, of it. You heard of the
1: the triforce; it's the tri stash.
0: And it's
1: too powerful for one podcast to to hold the whole thing.
0: Indeed. I think uh, in, you know, maybe somebody has like a small child that's like seven years old listening to this podcast and they're now inspired to create a comic book uh, series based on kind of a galactic uh, federation that's, uh, monitoring mustache podcasters. And I look forward to reading that in 20 <clears> years <throat> and knowing that I was the inspiration for it. Nice. Yeah. Definitely. Like your- I wasn't just you. <laughs> <laughs> There's the uh, million dollar, uh, idea that a podcaster gives out every episode. So there you go. There it is. Welcome. You're nice. welcome. Thank you is that how you doing taylor oh i'm 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 getting through it it has been a so we just got done tomorrow i go back to work so we just had christmas break and over christmas break i have had at my house two major earthquakes uh it flooded my road flooded and i could not leave uh and my power went out for many days in a row so It has been exciting.
1: (laughs) That's a positive spin on that.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So other than that, I mean, my wife's out of town for the whole week. So I'm a little lonely. Uh, So great to see a person's face and talk to them. Who's an adult, not a teenager. Those have been my only interactions have been uh coaching teenage basketball I kind of lost it today I got really mad <laughs> oh God <laughs> what did they do now? Oh we were doing a drill and I you know it's a really important segment of practice and I like look over at the other kids who were not involved in the drill and they're just you know playing grab ass or whatever and we have a really this is a really important week for our season and they just weren't taking it serious. And I just had to talk with them like, uh, pre pre-practice, like, Hey, here we are. This is the new year. Most important week. We've been waiting for this the whole time. Let's level up, you know, et cetera. And then they're over there like, you know, playing grab ass. And I just lost it. <laughs> I, I, I don't usually punish kids and like make them run and stuff or like, you know do punishment like that, but today I just like threw a basketball as hard as I could into the ground and and yelled,
1: <laughs> classic coach stuff right there were they playing Marvel Snap or just uh...
0: <laughs> good segue no, I don't know what <laughs> I don't know what they were doing, not being focused, that's what you know, yeah, so. I mean,
1: it happens, you know, young. Young people not getting the full, uh, appreciating the full scope of things and their importance.
0: It's basically what being young is, right? Uh, 100%. (laughs) And and then basketball. Yeah, totally. I just, uh, I yelled, most important week of the season and just (laughs) spiked the ball as hard as I could into the ground. (laughs) And then they had to do a lot of running. Nice. Do they
1: have to like run the lines?
0: Uh, We do doubles or triples or singles, and that's just uh, lengths of the court. I find that to be a little bit better. You know, it's just my personal preference. Other coaches might have other things. This is great. Isaac never asks me questions, (laughs) he just talks. (laughs) Well,
1: I I've, I've got less to share so I'm I'm curious how <laughs> how your coaching drama folds unfolds you know
0: Sweet okay well then I won't ask you what you've been up to or anything <laughs> we'll just move on What have you been up to
1: Nice Uh just relaxing as much as possible It's been a pretty chill month for the most part after a very unchill end of November, beginning of December. Um, And I've been just soaking that up as much as possible. Watched a lot of shows. Hell yeah. uh, Pulled out the old uh, bed sofa uh, in our living room and just lounged and watched TV, which was pretty excellent. Hell yeah. Yeah. So if you want to know what I've been watching. I do. I will tell you right now <laughs> we watch let's see we watch slow horses which is like a british spy show second mm. season i was like on, what uh, if we just watch this tv on, over there on that apple tv yep yeah uh which which we enjoyed and then we watched a interview with a vampire which has a show that i was unaware of but our good friend uh, who loves TV recommended it to us so we watched that and it was it was pretty good. It was very mm. violent as what's that on things it's on it was on AMC I don't know mm. AMC where plus it is available sure. yeah um, mm. probably on some other bespoke streaming service. Uh, we, we watched it on a because so we recently got that hooked up which is pretty cool it seems mm. to give you access to many things. I'm not sure where they're sourced from, but that's not my Plex, so (laughs) (laughs) I'm just along for the ride.
0: All right. Uh, So
1: yeah, So we we watched those two shows, which were very enjoyable, and uh, that's about it, man. Christmas was fine. New Year's didn't do anything. We had dim sum yesterday for New Year's uh, brunch, and that was excellent. Hell yeah. Yeah going back to work tomorrow unfortunately but Mm. who cares about that we're here to talk about flesh and blood and i am excited for 2023 (laughs) i haven't played flesh and blood in like three or four weeks at this point um which is kind of crazy probably the biggest break i've taken in a while but um yeah i'm excited to jump back in and and get some new games going
0: totally it's so healthy to take breaks like Uh, I would always feel historically in my other competitive endeavors like uh, I need to train all the time or practice all the time or you know and never give myself breaks because you're always like you're taught to think like the other the other guys working harder than you you know if they're they're playing 20 games of fab you got to play 25 you know what I mean Daily or whatever, you know, but that's just like not the case and is not healthy. (laughs) So taking breaks is highly recommended. And, you know, it's called a break, not quitting for a reason because you plan on (laughs) returning, you know, so. Exactly. Good. And if you're going to
1: take a break, you might as like lean into it, not feel bad about it. Just break. And then when you're ready, just roll right back in. And, Hell yeah! And dive, dive back in and uh, see where it's at. Apparently, Arachne's not very good. When I left, I was an Arachne <laughs> main, and I've come back, and I think I have to switch it up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, not the right meta for him at all. But uh, a great segue. Let's uh, let's move into some of the episode here. So, uh, welcome to episode fifty-eight of the attack action podcast this is going to be the fab faqs so for you new players out there we have noticed there are quite a few uh, questions that regularly come up for people wanting to dip their toes into flesh and blood or are uh, have just started out and so we'll help guide you on those first initial steps. But before we get to the main topic, shout outs, Colin, do you have any shout outs you would like to shout out at this shout out segment part at the beginning here?
1: Uh, Yes, I had to think about (laughs) it for a second. I was just going to say no. And I was like, wait, I could do one. Uh, I feel like I've done this the past couple things we've done, uh, but I'll I'll do it again. Shout out to Justin the and arcane games and events. Uh, We have our local tournament series starting next week on January 7th, uh, where we're doing a one K tournament every month for, I think like seven or eight months this year. Uh, It's going to be like an ongoing Mm -hmm. series where you accumulate points for how well you, how you, perform in each of the tournaments and then at the end of the year like the top you know point getters are going to be invited to a you know champions event where we're going to like rent a dope house and like hang out and stream games and have some of the best players in the southern california and beyond you know regional area so that's going to be really fun to start doing. I'll be commentating a lot, if not all of those. So uh, check them out over on YouTube, Arcane Games and Events. Um, Yeah, it's going to be fun.
0: Hell yeah. So cool. Justin and everybody who works at Arcane Games and Events are really rad. They did the uh, L.A. Battle Hardened. I suppose, even though it was in Pasadena, you know it's fine. Uh, city of Roses, beautiful city, great downtown, uh, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, everybody over there is great. And I think it's so cool that we're getting a grassroots style tournament scene with kind of stakes involved and stuff. You know, I'm I'm so into this, especially because the West Coast of North America is severely underserved, but unfortunately it's also a long continuous part of land. So our neighbors to the North in Vancouver or Seattle or Portland, it is still very far away from you, but uh, hopefully y'all can make it down to some of these events. Yep. There's
1: a schedule already on the website. I'll put it in the show notes. So and you can check yep.
0: that out and follow
1: them on all their uh, channel stuff so
0: heck yeah love it my you- shout yeah. out yeah totally my shout out is my boy scott mines aka howling mines uh accomplished flesh and blood player over in the uk is also now very heavily into marvel snap content creation and is just a joy to to watch over there so go check out uh howling minds on youtube go check out marvel snap zone on youtube that's some of the best marvel snap content i think in terms of videos podcasts uh etc on how they break things down i uh with a lot of natural disaster downtime have been playing a lot of marvel snap and was like well i don't know let's how many ranks can i go you know, so I'm hovering right at 70 right now. So been doing nice. a pretty big push from my level 20 a week ago or whatever, you know. So just playing a lot of Damn. Snap, got charged <clears throat> my phone a lot. So anyway, shout out to <laughs> shout out to Scott and the Marvel Snap Zone. Um, yeah. So Hell yeah, news. Do we What kind of news has happened since Dynasty came out, basically, or our last live episode?
1: I think the biggest news is these kind of like hints of spoilers mm-hmm. for the upcoming Outsiders set releasing in March, uh, which it seems like they have confirmed Assassin is going to be in it. Uh, yeah. There was a card found somewhere. I don't totally understand where it came from but it's got the you know the new set uh signifier on the bottom so but it's an assassin card it's an attack reaction it's called razor's edge looks pretty dope features our uh unknown assassin hero arachne uh jumping through some large window looking dope with you know the hump and everything spider's bite <laughs> you know yeah well, yep. we'll figure out what it is one day. But yeah, so that that seems to be one of the big things. And uh, I think there was something else mentioned in their uh, Squeakers Christmas lore article. Is that what it's called? Yeah, Squeakers Christmas. I think so, yeah. Uh, and it says there's an alchemist. So there we go. Assassin alchemist. Azalea. Outside. Azalea. <laughs> it's the AAA set.
0: <laughs> so a couple of things here that are are really interesting is that Razor's Edge is just a great attack reaction. Zero for three, mm-hmm. blocks for three. But you can only target attack action cards that have stealth. That's right. And so that's a new bolded keyword is stealth. Now, I haven't delved into this too much on what it could possibly be but my personal theory is that stealth is absolutely nothing it's the same as aim counters and that then things (laughs) will reference it so it's like this card will now have stealth and then if you have another thing that references that that thing has stealth then it works like razor's edge that's my guess it's not going to be like unblockable damage or or something like that it's just going to be a a thing your character or hero is doing. That's my that's my take on that.
1: That makes and sense. I hope you're wrong, but that does make sense.
0: Um, I do too. Because encounters were
1: like, all right, they kind of do something sometimes. Otherwise, they're just another thing you keep track of for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think the, the big, other big theory I've heard is that you can't block it with like an action card because um, <clears throat> it's like stealth. And so you can only react to it, but that hmm. seems a little OP and also is like anti synergistic with spiders bites since, you know, those already, you know, uh, debuff, the defense on action cards or I guess mm-hmm. attack action cards, right? Yeah. Attack
0: action cards. Yeah. Attack action cards.
1: So, you know, it could be something like that or maybe like a less, strong version of that but we'll have to see they do love to tease us with a spoiler that has a keyword that has no context so that we can all just sit there and and buzz about it until we get something else um but who knows when we'll get something else it's we don't even have a spoiler season yet i don't think so you know and we're three months away so yeah,
0: yeah totally
1: exciting to see something exciting to see assassin get a little bit more support um as i mentioned earlier it seems like arachne's not really strong enough doesn't have enough cards to really make uh make it you know impact on the meta but only only time will tell totally. it'll be interesting to see if we get a new assassin hero as well
0: yeah that's Which that's what i was cool. just going to say yeah is that if like the card is not talented and is just generic assassin, right? Even though it does feature Arachne. So we do we are confirming one of the heroes in Outsiders is going to be assassin. Now, is that Arachne or is it a new one, right? So that's mm-hmm. that's very exciting. I would assume it's a new one, because why mm-hmm. would they release the same hero twice? Right? That yeah. would be kind of ridiculous. So that's cool to see what that hero is about, right? Um potentially the hero's uh uh hero powers related to stealth. I don't I don't know. Who knows? Um another theory, let's jump over to Alchemist that I heard that I like is that Alchemist is potentially the talent or one of the talents not Mm. an actual class. Now, I think maybe Alchemist is in the lore book, the like big one from LSS. Um, So maybe that just means it is a confirmed class, but Mm. uh, who who knows? Because you could be like a Alchemist mechanologist. I don't know. (laughs) But now that sweet cold foil set of all the talismans and potions you got from Everfest could be pretty dope.
1: Hopefully those are worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> totally. TBD, big capital letter TBD on those. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think it would make sense if it was a talented assassin and, you know, or it's just going to be a Rackney star of the show, you know, they'll just immediately <laughs> give him the upgraded <laughs> version. Um, but it seemed like based on the, uh, kind of rumors that Arachne was released in dynasty because they couldn't balance him or them for draft. Yeah. It would Be weird for them to do it in draft. So we'll, we'll yeah. probably see a new assassin, which is really cool to get like back to back new heroes in a new class and just kind of, you know, light everybody's brain on fire, figuring out if it's good. Yeah. Probably maybe. <laughs> is my guess. Uh but we'll have to see what else is there cuz I I think the other rumor is that Azalea is going to be a, in this set. Um perhaps with a, you know, talent treatment. So, we'll have to see how that all works out. But exciting.
0: It is you know? exciting. I'm pretty excited for Outsiders. It's uh releases right around my birthday. And uh, is at we'll be at the conclusion of basketball season. So I will be ready to uh, just go whole hog into that next set. So nice. Pretty stoked. Pretty stoked. Uh, before we get into our main topic for this episode, I would like to just quickly plug our socials. Go follow me and Colin and Isaac over on Twitter uh, it's at Battlebro Taylor and at Tasty Town for Colin. It'll all be in the show notes. Um, interacting uh, with us on there is like the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, with any questions you might have, or kudos, or if you just want to, you know, get my cool tweets. I tweet sometimes. You know, those are fun. <laughs> also, he's got the coolest tweets. <laughs> totally uh and make sure you uh like and subscribe and do all that stuff right for anybody who makes anything on the internet who was i talking with on twitter they're like content creator sounds so lame and so does youtuber so like what are we and i posed the the idea that we were uh, internet artists that we use the internet for our art I think of myself more as a podcaster, but anybody who creates thing in this, this ethereal place we call the internet, um, which there's just a lot of tangents I could go on right now, but shout out (laughs) to the waveform podcast. They just did a really cool informative episode on like kind of the history of the internet and how it's policed and domain names and stuff. It was really interesting. There's this whole like, ceremony that happens every year for the security of the internet and it's it's pretty pretty cool it's pretty wild yeah and they tell you all about it on there so go check out the waveform podcast but anyway liking and subscribing and interacting with the stuff that we put out into the internet is super super helpful it helps us reach more of an audience it's uh spiritually affirming to us And, uh, is highly motivating to keep us, keep us going in that sort of thing. And then if our content means enough to you and you feel and have the ability to financially help us out, then go check out our Patreon and that gets you, uh, access to our discord and there you, you know, we got a really great community of, of people going on in there. And some people have been with us for years now and, uh, it's, it's great. You know, we just recently had Mike the Rebel Spy join the podcast. Shout out to Mike, who's a former Star Wars Destiny content creator and whose stuff I really loved and was part of my inspiration for starting content for this uh, particular channel. So thanks, Mike. And uh, yeah, so it's a beautiful world. And support us while it's still beautiful. <laughs> or else yeah so anyway (laughs) let's move on to the main topic here flesh and blood frequently asked questions so colin i've been doing a ton of talking at the beginning here how about you start us off with this first little uh little spice here at the beginning
1: let's do it yeah so we were kind of just thinking about what to talk about and being the beginning of a new year. um, And also the fact that I've just seen a lot of new posts on Twitter, Reddit, discord of people with the kind of prelude of, Oh, I'm just joining the game. Oh, I'm coming over from magic. Oh, this or that. And I'm, I'm getting in the game and I have some questions and there's a lot of great resources online, including some very long detailed FAQs on both of the main reddits or subreddits uh but you know people don't like to read so we're just going to tell you (laughs) verbally uh (laughs) what those things are uh of course we have our own take on it um and i think you know the way we're going to look at it is is approaching the game and kind of figuring out how to find yourself in fab and your kind of niche and what you're you know setting yourself up for uh success Um, So I think the first thing for us um, is figuring out your level of competitiveness. Um, This is a great first question because I think it informs all your decisions later on. If this was like a tech tree in a video game, this is like your first splitting one. Because if you want to be very competitive, you're going to probably make some more harder choices um, that are more important early on. Um, Whereas if you're casual about it and you're just kind of interested in... Building out your collection and trying out the different heroes and classes—it's um, really going to be a kind of different path and journey for you. So, uh, for my side of things, I think it's always good to be realistic about how competitive you want to be and who you are as like a competitive person in a game. You know, this is something that uh, if you have experience in TCGs, you might already know. You know, you're. You want a certain experience out of your gameplay. you're looking to go once a week and just like have a good time, or you've come over knowing that there's like a big organized play program with flesh and blood and you want to dive deep into that and go for you know the the accolades and the the top prizes that can be given out there. So I think just kind of taking a moment and assessing your goals in that um, can be really important um, because as much as there are casual formats in flesh and blood the main heart of the game is almost indiscernible from like you know competitive play for the most part it's going to be classic constructed is going to be the main format and even at your local armory people might be there to be very competitive so uh it's important to understand understand that that's kind of like the entry point really for playing with uh you know in, in the community, if you've got friends and you're going to play at home, of course, you play whatever you like and you can have your own kind of setup. Um, if you're interested in how that can go, check out early episodes of the Attack Action podcast <laughs> where the original Battle Bros just <laughs> were hanging out, playing Flesh and Blood, you know, best friends during a pandemic, and we're all just listening and loving it. So, um, yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on competitiveness, Baylor?
0: Well, I think first you hit the nail right on the head and uh, are, are making it very clear for people jumping into the game. My addition to what you had to say is that it's, it's fluid and it's a spectrum, right? So uh, you could start out as a really casual player and then you're like, you know what? I would like to test myself in the arena of ProQuest season or something, you know, and be like, you know, I really want to try to top eight or win something. And then you will, you know, uh, take this, the steps needed to to do that. And then you might, di- you know, you might try out a ProQuest season. and You're like, Jesus, these, this is too much. Uh, I now enjoy the game less. And then you can dial it back and just be like, you know what, I'm going to armories. I'm playing only if it's a uh, UPF night, etc. other than that, I'm just going to play like pre-cons or whatever. So um, whatever level you're currently at or thinking that you can be at, you can always go up or down or left or right or however the spectrum is, you can move along it at any path. And that's like totally cool. You know what I mean? There's plenty of examples in the community of people playing at different levels, having a great time and even making content. You know, you got Arsenal pass where, you know, they have one really good player on their podcast and then another guy and they talk about that. And then there's like, uh, as right. And he's just like, Azalea is all I play all the time. And I just do that. And that's how I interact with the game. And, and, you know, one, of those content creators or, you know, more well-known people is not better than the other person, right? They are, they are equal in, I think the eyes of everything because they're enjoying the game on their terms. Uh, and, and that's what is important. Nice. In, end of essay. <laughs>
1: No, I think that's great. Yeah. It it definitely is on a spectrum and you can change up how you feel and approach it. So knowing that going in is great. And I think knowing that, uh, you know, the, the way you approach it and how you interact with the game, um, really sets the tone for your experience overall. Um, Mm -hmm. and just like, your level of uh being kind of on a spectrum, I think like what classes and stuff and heroes you play is also kind of on there as well. Um, you do have people who are the diehards. They play one hero. <clears throat> That's it. They, they love it. They're going to do it, whether it's good decision or bad decision in the meta. And then, you you know, on the other end, I think is people who are meta chasers. They're looking for the best deck yeah, um, <clears throat> and they're going to buy the cards they need to play those decks and, bring them, um, hoping to be competitive in the current meta. And then in between, I think a lot of us are just figuring out what's fun and trying out new things. Uh, yeah. and I think there's, uh, benefits to, to all of that. And it really, again, just depends on how you want to be in the game and what your, what your goals are.
0: Yeah, agreed. And the reason we start out the main topic too, with this particular question, uh, or, to, you know, subtopic to the main topic um, is that it will then inform the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about, right? So like the next thing we're going to talk about here is is choosing a hero, right? And so this is probably like one of the things people ask about the most or are most curious about because in Flesh and Blood, the hero you choose puts you in a certain uh corner in terms of what is really available to that hero in terms of playstyle and interaction versus the other decks um now even in, and this is one of the great things about flesh and blood but even each hero can have a different kind of shell and be built slightly differently um I think old him is one of the best examples of that, right? Like can be a total like fatigue block everything deck, Um, or it can be kind of this mid range deck where depending on the matchup, you're playing more aggressive or you're playing more defensive and trying to have this really uh, great exchange of values, or you're playing like kind of what we're seeing now, which is just like a big old, big old attacks with pummels and trying to really force like big chunks of damage upon your opponent and that sort of thing. Um, So even though you would consider old him like a quote unquote control deck, it really has a breadth of range that it can um, play in. And so to complicate the, the answer to this question more uh, is that you have to know those things when you choose it. So um, so this is my caveat about choosing a hero is at first does not matter. Doesn't matter at all. Play anybody you want, you know, like the game's new. So if you're like, what the hell is a soul? And what the hell is blood debt? Or, uh, you know. I don't know, uh, a bot embodiment of lightning, etc. All of those things are new. And so I don't think those add too much of a level of complexity to an already complex game. Um, it's just like another thing you just have to learn. So if those extra mechanics sound too much for you, then you should pick a hero that does not have extra mechanics. But in general, I think it doesn't matter and that you should... Try a lot of them or not. That's a personal question. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
1: So the answer is maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I I totally agree with you. The, it does not matter where you start. I think any hero is a good starting point to learn the game because there's a lot to learn about, you know, just how the game functions how the turn cycles go priority all that kind of stuff and that you know is the same mostly for all uh, heroes and classes Um, some are a little bit more interested in different steps of the combat chain or different windows of priority but for the most part you know everybody I mean everybody does work within the same framework yeah Uh, so picking one and just jumping in is great. Uh, One thing I would say is that it's really good to, you know, if you have TCG experience, understand the kind of macro archetypes. You know, they do kind of follow the control mid-range aggro uh, to a degree. Uh, Mid-range, I think, is the most uh, kind of nebulous one. Uh, it It really depends how you build your deck. There's a lot of ways to flex different directions with your sideboard. You can kind of have different packages. So it's not as, you know, cut and dry as far as the play styles go. Um, But, you know, pick pick the one that looks cool and go for it and do a little bit of research. Like no matter what you pick, it's going to be the same amount of effort for the most part to learn that class as it will be any other class. Um, So you might as well go for the one you think is really interesting. And then, you know, be open about it and understand that just because it seemed interesting on paper, it might not actually work with how you like to play. And I think that's a really important thing because I found myself many times being like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. And just like, this is not how (laughs) it just goes against how I want to play the game. um, And I'm not going to change how I like to play the game uh, to to match those um, in certain situations. So I think that's really you know, a good thing to explore and trying out different heroes is a great way to do that. And it's never been easier to do that, especially with uh, tools like talishar.net where you can just load up a deck and play it with somebody. It'll enforce all the rules for you. So it's, it's pretty easy to follow along and learn that way. You don't have to like have it all in your head. Um, although, you know, every now and then there still are bugs, but they are very good at fixing those, um, over there. So yeah, <clears throat> my, my recommendation is play as many heroes as you can at first. And then, you know, if you feel drawn to one more than others, you know, that that's just going to be the one you want to focus on longer term.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, two things. One, sorry, if I got a little distracted there, my dog is underneath my desk and, uh, I was trying not to kick her while I'm, uh, here podcasting. um, <clears throat> My the second thing is my personal journey through choosing heroes was, uh, well, first go listen to just episode one or two and we'll break down the like how we did it. Uh, we like got four friends together and split um, up the heroes and all of the cards for the four heroes that were in. Welcome to Wraith and Arcane Rising. Now that's a little bit different with back to back. Uh, sets with three heroes in it. So then now you only need three friends, which is kind of financially a little different. But anyway, uh, I chose out of Welcome to Wraith Dorinthia because I thought that a like weapon-centric hero seemed like a really cool mechanic and that, uh, you know, a lady knight in armor who was into swords seemed cool to me. And then for Visserai, who's who's also still one of my favorite heroes, I was like, this guy just looks freaking dope. And let's just hang out with this guy. Like, I didn't care what he did or how good it was or whatever. I was just like, this guy's dope. He's black and purple. He's got a big sword. I really like swords. Uh, <laughs> he does like mixed arcane and physical damage, like super cool. Let's, let's hang out with this guy. And then, you know, I've like tried out a bunch of other different heroes. Now I'm just really into ice heroes, Icelander and old him. Those are, those are like the decks I really like to play, you know? Um, so that's how I did it. And yeah. look at me now, full blown yeah. podcaster. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, be open, be curious, and, and just enjoy the different things. Because even if you don't go into one of these other heroes, knowing how they play is going to help you play against them. Because you'll be familiar with their cards, you'll be familiar with their yeah. game plan, and that will give you an edge when you play against them as a different hero. Which totally. is, you know, a big part of this game is knowing what your opponent can do, and you know how they'll do it to you. So
0: yeah, hundred um. percent. Also, there's lore articles for every hero mm-hmm. on the main Flesh and Blood website, FabTCG.com, and that's a great way to choose too who your your favorites are. Even if you're like, oh dash, I just want to be this cool redheaded inventor person. That's who I definitely want to be. It's still good, even though, you know, that's who you want to be to try the other heroes for the reasons Colin say, said, and for the bonus reasons of, oh, maybe you found something else that is also really appealing. And it might just affirm like, nope, dash is it. That's it. That's all I want to do is just mm-hmm. make cool items and go really fast and uh, attack you and then transform into a gundam you know
1: hell yeah yeah yeah. i think my last note in this section would be uh knowing that uh, every hero is printed with like a token weapon in whatever set they came out in uh, but that is not necessarily the weapon that is best Mm -hmm. for them Um, so doing a little bit of research into what weapons are you know currently popular and most found to be most powerful for each hero is really important um, because in some cases it's not obvious and in other cases it changes because the weapons now uh, can be rotated out which I guess we didn't mention this up front but hopefully you already know this but uh, there is no rotation in flesh and blood except the heroes can reach living legend status where they basically are have won so many events that they uh, are retired, and they are retired with their signature weapon. Which uh, all that information can be found on the main Fab DCG website. Um, so <clears throat> check that out. Uh, for legality reasons, you want to know there's only a couple heroes that are currently living legend um, in uh, classic, instructed and blitz, and, but they're different. Mm-hmm. So you know it's it's important to know what is available and what is considered the best uh, kind of uh, tech for uh, each of your heroes.
0: Agreed. Can't, uh, can't agree more there. So let's talk about entry points. So uh, what we're talking about here is what format should you start playing blitz limited or classic instructed Or perhaps UPF. Um, And if this episode. Remains evergreen. Then uh, player versus environment. PVE. And what set you should. Spend your, your money on. So first let's tackle. The blitz CC or limited. Side of things. For me. My personal recommendation. Is it doesn't matter. If you have never played a tcg before uh all of the rules and etiquette and stuff behind everything is definitely all new so if your local store is doing sealed or draft that's a totally fine entry point if it's a mainly blitz situation if it's all classic instructed it's it's uh all going to be fresh and new and you will have a lot of learning to do regardless so it's more important to just kind of be playing the game and learning it um, rather than being hung up on what format you need to start with Um, but with that with that caveat you the listener know yourself better than I do so if you are like well I don't know how to draft or what sealed is and that seems complicated uh, just get some of the pre-cons, the blitz pre-cons and, you know, find a friend and just play at the shop or play with someone there who uh, maybe also has a pre-con or, or whatever, you know, uh, that's a great uh, place to start as well. If you do have TCG um, experience and, and that sort of thing, then I think you will also know what format is a great place for you to start. Uh, as well like if you've drafted a ton of magic before then when they're doing uh, flesh and blood draft it would not be too far away from how you've uh, previously experienced draft Um, and the most the most recent draftable set is uprising and we did a bunch of episodes on how to draft and our set review for uprising so if you're like okay on sunday they're doing an uprising draft well we you have like 6 or 8 hours maybe worth of attack action podcast content to get you caught up between when you listen to this and, and sunday so uh, we have that resource available for you so then then the the culminating sentence here is just basically blitz classic instructed and limited all have their strengths and are testing different skills it so uh, just choose the one that you think is the coolest or that is more readily available to you to play
1: yep i i won't add much to that i think the only thing i would say is if you're listening to this uh later in the year and a draftable set is either just come out or is about to come out um i think getting in then is, is great because it's kind of a clean slate for everybody. The only kind of benefit you have having prior knowledge is just like knowing the general rules a little bit more. Um, And, uh, but for the most part, people will have less experience with the new cards and the new heroes. And that, that really makes it kind of a more pure form of the game where everyone's kind of coming at it uh, on a, slightly more even keel there's less of the oh i they've got all the good car you know they have like rarer right. more expensive cards in their deck that i haven't gotten yet so i i think that would be my only other um point on that one um but yeah it really doesn't matter just jump in learn them all you know i think we all started with cc then they made up blitz so we learned blitz and then i you know i didn't do a lot of limited for a long time but then i got really into that so you know it It is good to know that CC is still the most popular format. So yeah. you will probably want to work your way up there if you're intimidated by it first. But really, don't be. You have more life. You have more, you know, there's more freedom to make some mistakes in CC than in Blitz. But on the other hand, Blitz is shorter. So if you make a mistake, the game's kind of over and then you just play another game. So it can really benefit you to... Just explore the game in the different formats because you'll see, uh, you'll just see how things play out and how your decisions kind of compound over time.
0: Totally. And I know too, as a listener, perhaps like, you know, for some people they're like, oh, cool. I have autonomy on my decisions is the recommendation um, from somebody I respect. And then other people are like, ah, just fucking tell me like what I need to do you know what I mean? And uh, I can't because I don't know you uh, personally and you'll have to know yourself. And I know that these first two things are a bit nebulous, like, you know, what hero do I choose or which format do I choose? You know what I mean? Like the most competitive formats, if you're trying to be competitive, are classic instructed and limited and if you are just into the social part of the game then there is ultimate pit fight which has its own set of rules and can be totally fun um but is is not something that we are wholly focused on personally so
1: yeah and if you do need someone to just tell you what to do just hit us up on twitter and we'll just tell you what to play and
0: yeah, yeah you just could do be it like, that way as well. <laughs> yeah, I have a history of being a division one athlete and, uh, you know, winning to me, losing is never an option. What should I do? You know, that'll that'll inform me a lot better of what yeah, to tell you, you. You should play Azalea uh, in CC. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then Bolton as your backup. <laughs> if the meta is not right. Yeah. Uh, so that's sarcasm. Don't only play those heroes if you want to.
1: Nice. All right. So I think the other big like first question I see a lot too is I want to buy a couple boxes. Which set should I buy? And, you know, I think one, I'll just say it straight up. You're probably better off just buying singles. Mm -hmm. So if you've listened to the first two and you've picked your hero and, you know, the format you want to get into, You know what cards to buy and how many of them you need. And there you go. That's all you need. However, if you uh, have the ability to play draft or sealed with some friends, I think that is the biggest benefit of buying boxes, uh, is being able to get that kind of double value out of it. One, getting Mm -hmm. to play a really fun version of the game. Uh, And then two, you get all those cards when you're done. So the the whole like oh i need to buy boxes to build my collection is just like less and less a thing i think there's not as many like i think the early days of fab there's a lot of like big hits you like could basically the whole box was paid for with one card that you pulled Mm -hmm. but that's only if you sell that card so you (laughs) could have also just bought that card and you know not have all the extra bulk of commons and stuff that you don't need Um, so that's my, that's my first bit of this. And then to answer the question, I will say you should probably buy welcome to Wraith or arcane rising boxes. These are the original two sets. They have all the kind of original heroes who are all still legal in every format, I believe. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's like only a couple. Viscery is not in, in blitz. In blitz. Yeah. Sorry. Viscery is living legend in blitz. Um, but for Classic Constructed, they're all legal. Uh, there's a banned card in Welcome to Wraith, which in some printings I think they got rid of. I'm not actually sure. Um, but that was... What was that one? Drone. Uh, Drone of Brutality. Um, <clears throat> so it's good to know that. Once again, check out the legality of cards on the Fab TCG website. Um, but there's just great, great cards in these sets. You'll get Sync Below, which is like the best uh, defense reaction in the game. Fate for scene on the other best defense reaction in the game.
0: Wounded Uh, bull. Yeah.
1: Wounded (laughs) bowl. If you want to play Icelanders, just three for seven. It's great. Uh,
0: Three for eight, bro. Three three for for
1: eight. eight, Sorry. Uh, Read the text. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's just got like the foundations of everything you need. And if you do get to play draft or sealed with it, It, you know, it has more, it's more kind of streamlined. There doesn't have the talent system in there yet. So it's just kind of the core fundamentals of the game. And then just a lot of really good cards. And also some of the best cards ever printed are in arcane rising with, and welcome to wraith being like command and conquer enlightened strike art of war. Um, so all these things, if you do happen to open them, they're just, great hits and you'll mm-hmm. probably play them in many decks. Um, so that would just be my thing. Monarch, two of the heroes are hit living legends. The other two are not super viable. So unless you really want to play Bolton or, you know, shadow brute Leviah, that's not a great set to buy. Um, and then uh what is it? Tales of Aria, <clears throat> you know, similarly like briar's pretty close to hitting living legend and then Mm -hmm. um you know but if you didn't know like you're like i want to play old him then you might want to get into that but if you're just kind of open to everything i'd say those first two sets widely available they're probably cheaper by the box than most of the other sets and Mm -hmm. you know just a lot of great cards and just good sets to play with
0: yeah totally uh, I, you know, for me, the only like little addition there is, uh, whatever the latest draftable set is, which I'm sure you, you covered already. Um, because that, that's just the best value if you're going to buy a whole box is then being able to play sealed or draft. Like you just need one friend, you know, you just need a Colin and then you're like, let's play sealed. And then you go through the whole box, you open it up and you play a bunch of games and, you go down to the local brewery and you have some beers and then they have to deal with all of the trash from the packs and you don't. So that's like another bonus, you know, also pretty funny. Uh, shout out to Hayden Dale of the attack at, or the uh, Arsenal pass podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Got to know what his podcast is. Just hit me up on steam and was like, let's play a tabletop simulator. And I'm like, and see, so you know, they always know. And you like, talk shit about them so don't talk shit about them
1: my ears uh, are burning. let's play
0: yeah let's play I gotta beat you right now um, yeah. so yeah the set to buy is for sure the latest draftable set um, and you're like why do you keep saying that it's like well because we have expandable sets so like Dynasty, Everfest Crucible of War these are all sets that just expand the card pools and don't actually uh, you can't like You know, "quote unquote" play sealed or draft with them, which we tried. Check out episode whatever that is eight or something like that, where we tried to to figure out one format to draft with Crucible Four, and it was it's kind of mopey, as uh, (laughs) some people like to say. Uh, So yeah, the latest draftable set, great place to go. Uh, Another one which we do a lot at our local shop is if it is a set i've already drafted a thousand times i just give my draft deck or any cards to whoever the newest player is at the table so check in with your community members because i totally have plenty of bulk i will unload on you like here you go right so that's like the downside to buying boxes is you then now have a fire starter you have to store somehow (laughs) And for some reason you keep, I don't know, but, uh, yeah. So you're, you're, yeah. I
1: have like three large Amazon boxes that are full of (laughs) bulk that I'm getting rid of. And I kept like a bunch of copies of each card already, but (laughs) yeah. Opening packs is fun. Uh, if you've got the space and money to do it for sure. But like we said, if you can get the extra value sealed and limited, do that. Uh, of, you know, but yeah, the the latest draftable set is going to get you a good starting place. Usually, power creep isn't like insane in this game, but usually there's a hero in each new set that is pretty good. So, uh, building out a uh, a collection as that as a starting point is not a bad place to start.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent.
1: So then we have <clears throat> standalone p- products. Um, I feel like. LSS has done kind of a weird job here at uh, <laughs> signaling what the good standalone product is, because uh, they keep kind of <laughs> changing their mind. Uh, there's, there was first like the original. Well, there's a welcome uh, the Ira deck. If you can find any of those, those are amazing. They're free. They're print and play as well. Uh, they're just very stripped down and will help you learn the rules and you both play the same deck. So you kind of like understand quickly what you're both, both sides are doing. Um, But those aren't always available. And um, I don't, you know, not everybody wants to print out and cut out a bunch of cards. So totally understand Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Then we had like the original uh, pre-con decks, which were 60 cards with some equipment. um, And then you could play with a 20 life or 40 life hero, and there was just no rules difference it was just like hey we play with the 20 life hero first uh which to me I thought was great it was like oh okay I'll play with this you know 20 life we'll just kind of learn it it it's fine i don't really know what i'm doing so there's no long term strategy yet um <clears throat> but then they just stopped making those <laughs> and then they switched to blitz precondex and they those are a fine starting point i think they're flawed in many, many ways. Uh, they're not. Uh, it's not obvious what uh, heroes you should play against each other for like a balanced game. And I think that's the biggest hard point where people pick it up and be like, oh, well, I was playing Leviathan against Prism and I just like wrecked them because I popped all of their heralds because my whole deck is six power cards and mm-hmm. all of their cards have Phantasm. And it just seems kind of bad. <clears throat> and it's just like, and Prism's weapon seems kind of bad. And you're just like, well, that's because you know, she uses the majestic weapon and, you know, these decks aren't good against each other uh, when you're just kind of learning. So that, that part is hard in my mind. Uh, even when I've shown people the game and used the blitz precons, I feel just like I'm showing them an inferior version of the game. Um, so it can be difficult would be my, my caveat there. Uh,
0: So I have played with all of the pre-cons except for, uh, I mean, I own them. I just haven't played with the Phi or Dromai pre-con decks. I don't even think I've ever opened them, but I just have them. Um, But one time for Isaac's birthday, we busted out the Monarch pre-cons and this is maybe a slight, slight dig on Isaac. So I apologize, Isaac, but we played a game and I forget which heroes it, it was. It, it, and it, he was like, well, it's unfair. Your deck is just like, it's a better matchup. I was like, well, okay, we'll just switch. And then, uh, then I beat him again with the hero he just lost with. So it is possible and they maybe are a little bit closer, but you got to be a real mastermind, top notch, <laughs> top gun maverick iceman player over here um but they're they're like fine they're you know to learn the game to have something to play to have something to then uh go to your local shop buy some singles add them to your deck that sort of thing like totally a reasonable avenue to pursue now some we have a local guy who makes a bunch of like commoner pre-cons that he like sells on eBay Homer shout out to Homer. And uh, I actually have some of them like in my classroom at work. And uh, nice. if we have a couple slow days, I have one period with one kid who's actually picking up the game. And so we play uh, sometimes, which is pretty great. And so that's great. And what I do is I may, we don't use the equipment. We just use the decks and that has been a, a really great place for, people to learn from uh, as well. So nice. that would also be my uh, perhaps uh, advice is if you're going to use the blitz pre-cons, just like put the equipment to the side, keep the weapon and uh, see how that goes. That that helps a little bit.
1: Yeah, the equipment does add a little overhead uh, of knowledge and strategy. um, So that's a nice way of getting around that i think the last thing to say is the newest iteration of this is the classic battles box um yeah. which uh i think in general is a great idea uh the <clears throat> what they presented ended up being kind of weird because they chose uh reinar Br- the brute and dorinthia the warrior and they're both kind of finicky enough <laughs> in how you have to play them that it's still kind of hard to like teach someone how to play them. Um But I think they are definitely, it's definitely a more balanced yeah. set because it's just two decks and they're made to be played against each other. Mm. And I think it's a good starting off point of learning, you know, how the heroes function, <clears throat> what the classes do, how their cards work, you know, all the, the fundamentals of the game um, yeah it also comes with some cool foil and cold foil cards and also the uh, playmat yeah that's huge is a paper playmat but it's, it's a playmat it's got all the fields on it so that's yeah it's
0: cool that's what you need yeah i agree like if your choice is uh pre-cons or classic battles uh or like the blitz decks because they're all pre-cons uh short for pre-constructed uh if it's the blitz decks or classic battles i'm going classic battles uh it does come at like a premium price point but like for like colin said you get the like paper play mats the lore book and two decks that uh, you get a product that's meant to be played against itself you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so if that is in your price point and possible that's where i would start for sure. Nice. All
1: right. So here's another big question I hear all the time, Taylor, and I want you to tell me
0: what you think. I'll tell you.
1: How many, how many legendaries do I need to buy right away?
0: Um, well, so first you go, <laughs> so this is a flow chart question, right? It's right. uh, how, how competitive am I going to be? Very competitive then whoosh, we go over here to the most competitive decks and then you go find those deck lists and you just buy those legendaries. If you go over here, swoosh, not very competitive and then it breaks off and it goes, well, how not very competitive? Like like not going to the shop to play, then whoosh over here, it doesn't matter. Kind of competitive, maybe one day will be competitive, whoosh. Okay, here are, this is the zone that we're now existing in in this flow chart is you probably need fin dolls spring tunic it's still played in basically every single deck um also like you know it's widely available still fairly expensive because of how much it's used um and it's like legendaries are like a thing in this game for sure that you have to like get over the mental hump that you need legendaries you know what i mean like gotta have them to be competitive if that's where you want to be so so spring tunic number one and then i would say probably crown of providence is the next one that you probably want to have so those are the two generics that are most widely played and then whatever class or hero you are most interested in playing or feel like you're going to play uh those class specific legendaries now some of them you can get away with um like so for if you're playing old him right one of the legendaries for that class is tectonic plating and you probably don't need tectonic plating you can just get away with fendal spring tunic is uh usually how the builds go and then you have two shields three shields technically but uh one of them is like not being played. Um, so between Bastion of Eisenloft and Rampart of the Rams head, uh, you can't go wrong really with either Rampart or Bastion. Uh, Bastion is played maybe more regularly right now in the current meta. But I think if you had Rampart of the Rams head, you would be totally fine uh, playing old him with just uh you know those two legendaries now the other one you obviously need is um crown of seeds if you want the full dealio but uh you know that's that's up to you so um but the two ones you for sure need tunic and crown of providence nice. that's that's a great place to start
1: nice i was gonna say zero you don't need any legendaries to start
0: <laughs> that's great too <laughs> But yeah, I think. Well, you didn't use uh, my flow chart. If you did, you went over to the not very competitive, so then it doesn't matter. True. Yeah. It, yeah.
1: It, that could also be tied to a timeline of when you won't need totally. to be competitive by. Um, yes. But to, to play the game, technically, you don't need any legendaries. And I think they give you a incremental edge that is depending on the legendary in the class, sometimes it's just a small edge that is kind of going to squeak out that win in a tight matchup. Um, But for the most part, if you're still learning the game and the cards, you're not going to be using them to their full potential. So spending the money on them immediately is not totally necessary. Uh, That being said, uh, the tunic and uh, crown of providence are both generic, which make them playable in, any single hero so if you change your mind you want to try a different class those are great ones to start with because you can use them all over the place um and then also kind of inadvertently taylor pointed out that old him is probably the most expensive deck because you need like eight legendaries to play it yeah um so knowing that uh different classes and heroes kind of require quote unquote require more or less legendaries is good to know and i did hear this uh Over on the Arsenal Pass podcast, they were talking uh, some new tips for new players. Um, And they were saying that aggro decks in general can get away with a lot fewer legendaries because the legendaries often will give, you know, help you, you know, with your side board plan into different heroes and enact different strategies. And usually, as the aggro deck, You've got one strategy. You're just gonna go face mm-hmm. and deal lots of damage. So you don't need as many legendaries because the game's gonna be shorter. So getting the long-term value out of the cards isn't gonna happen as most, you know, more. It's gonna happen less often than in in decks that go to longer uh, game times and stuff. So um, if you know you're going into an aggro deck, you can probably get away with some really good common equipment. Um, and just focus on learning your lines and doing all that. And then when you see the kind of spot where you're missing that extra value um, from the legendaries, then you can like pull that trigger. But again, if you're trying to go next week pro quest, or in like two weeks pro quest season, and immediately be competitive, you're probably going to just find the best deck and buy whatever legendaries are in there. But again, it's not required. And like I said, I think you're going to take a lot of practice to get to a point where you understand the best way to use those legendaries. So worrying about not having them is really just getting in your mental way. And you need to focus more on the game fundamentals so that when you, you know, save up and decide to pull that trigger on a legendary, um, or just open up, you know, prize pack and get the one that you wanted, like, which does happen a lot apparently to other people not to me uh, <laughs> yeah me neither because <laughs> uh, you know we don't get prize packs but it's a whole <laughs> other thing um you know uh it it is not the thing that's holding you back until you like know that it's holding you back
0: if that yeah, totally yeah it makes great sense uh there's this really great uh local ish player to me shout out to sam and uh we played two road to nationals back to backs uh, together in the last road to national season and just a straight monster. He's really new to the game straight monster in uh, limited because he had just a fundamental understanding of how the game works and value and understood how to draft and stuff. And so he was just like uh, crushing Draft like was doing really good in all the road to Nats that were draft, and then, like, you know, the nuance of CNC, uh, not CNC, CC classic instructed, uh, road to nationals was like a little bit more challenging, but because he had like just a a great base understanding of the game, uh, he was able to be really competitive. He top aided with me, and I think he was in the finals too of the road to nationals I did for, for draft. Um, And so, like, just because you don't have the legendaries doesn't mean there isn't an outlet for you to be competitive. You know what I mean? Especially moving forward in this next season of organized play, I would assume that we're going to get more competitive draft situations, especially when Outsiders comes out. And so um, if you, uh, you know, still haven't made that plunge into legendaries, but have been uh, honing your fab fundamentals, then draft is probably a good place for you to dip your toes into the competitive scene because it's a bit more of an even playing field, for sure. Totally
1: nice. Thank you. All right, <laughs> great job. <clears throat> uh, so this one's kind of like more specific, but you know, if you've already. Jumped into Fab, and you know you decided Blitz was the way to go because it was a little bit easier to get into, <clears throat> and shorter game. Whatever your choices, uh, but now you need to make that that big move to classic constructed. Uh, what are what are some tips from moving between formats like that?
0: Well, so the biggest one from Blitz to CC is then. Your understanding of the matchup is a bit more important because you now have access to 80 cards instead of 40. And part of those 80 are your sideboard options. Um, so you'll need to know, like, okay, I'm playing against viscerai, so I'm gonna sideboard into these things, or I'm playing against Phi, so I need to sideboard in these things or take these cards out, etc. So that's probably kind of the biggest one, which you get a little tiny taste of that in Blitz, where you change your equipment around um, depending on your matchup, but it's like a bit more uh, nuanced than it is in Blitz. And the other big thing is learning the different pace of the games. So in Blitz... Uh, you know, the game is just way more faster. And, you know, you could attack with Wounded Bull, which if you have less life deals eight points of damage. And when you only have 20 life points, uh, you're that's nearly half of your deck. So that's like a really impactful or half of your health. That's a really impactful big attack um, to have in that sort of thing. So understanding that that wounded bull on turn two when your opponents at 40 health is only as impactful as like the next two wounded bulls you can fire off and where their life is in relation to if those even hit you know etc so understanding those differences is uh probably the biggest curve in terms of like jumping between those two formats um and that goes both for from blitz to cc cc to blitz etc um and some of that is also like learned in like uh draft and that sort of thing or in, the, in the limited sides of stuff so th- those would be the kind of the the things i would be trying to understand between formats. And I, I know again, my aunt, sometimes some of my answers are a bit nebulous. Um, but like I kind of stated, there's just so much nuance, uh, in that question. And the best way to figure those nuances out is to just play a lot of games and try some stuff out.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think sideboard is the biggest, biggest thing there. Uh, understanding what your sideboard is and how it changes in your different matchups, I think is the toughest part of this game. Mm-hmm. You know, I have something yep. I still struggle with and it's the, this, the part of your deck that you take the longest to tune and is basically always in flux because the yep. meta is changing, yep. you know, new decks coming out, et cetera, et cetera. So I think really, you know, for a beginner, <clears throat> the important thing is to know that what you need to know, what your game plan is. And then does that game plan change into these other heroes? Yeah. So, and then if the answer is yes, it does change. You need to know what cards you're putting in and out. You know, you need to know if you're trying to, uh, have more than 60 cards or if you're trying to always hit a 60 card deck, mm-hmm. uh, um, And is, is your sideboard include different equipment or do you just, you know, if you're running aggro or is is your game plan always the same and you don't really care and maybe you have a couple cards you put in because they are better in this situation than another. So that that's probably the biggest one. And also just understanding again, I think like Taylor was saying the different pace, you know, another way of saying that is just like the damage doesn't scale in this game. So When you go down to blitz, like you're saying, wooden bowl for eight is half your life, but wounded bowl in CC is, you know, maybe less than a quarter of your life, which is still a lot, but you have a lot more room to breathe. So there's time to either just fully block out a thing or take some damage to set up like something more important on your end. And just kind of learning that kind of pace and how your specific hero needs to uh, like how and when and what they need to do to like get to the end of the game uh, is all going to just come from playing and it's going to be different for each hero. So it's, there's no one catch-all, but it is um, just understanding that uh, there is these large differences. And again, it's just going to take time and practice to get there. And there's a lot of great resources to help you along the way. We have our own sideboard episode, so you should check that out as well. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, the, the best thing to do, jump in, keep playing and and figure it out as you go.
0: Yeah. Uh, another, you know, which we'll get to here in a second, uh, is just consuming content to learn as much as possible, right? There's a bunch of great, uh, content creators, internet artists, you might say out there, uh, making things. For you to educate yourself and that sort of thing, our podcast being one of them, and and we'll have a list of um, our most helpful episodes where we've gone really deep on some uh, specific topics uh, that will hopefully help you level up in in flesh and blood. But if you want to see kind of one of like the the big brain, the amount of nuance. Uh, and h- how deep you really can go into your deck and your sideboard and your matchups and stuff. Check out Isaac's uh, Dromai deck tech. It's like two hours plus long, and he just gives you everything he's like worked on for months. Um, and you can t- you can really see the l- the level of um, detail he he thinks about in his matchups and card choices and sideboarding and stuff so um yeah go check that out on our youtube page if if you need to get a sense of the nuance i'm talking about for classic instructed versus blitz and that sort of thing
1: yep that's a great resource and there's many great resources out there but you should be here just hang out with us and just watch all your (laughs) (laughs) videos (laughs)
0: totally so let's say now colin you you've listened to this hour and 20 minutes of this podcast and you're like you know what i'm ready for my my tournament i think i'm i'm ready to go so what potentially are some of the first time tournament tips uh that you have for players
1: so for me i might come at this from the side of the flow chart where we're not super competitive, but uh, we view the competitive scene and organized play scene as just a great opportunity to play games, meet people, and have fun. Um, Heck yeah. is Is go into the tournament with a real open mind and don't be fixated on your results. Um, <clears throat> for one thing, going into a tournament as a new player is just like the best way to get a ton of games against a bunch of random decks. And that's just beneficial to you as a player. Um, before we had a lot of great online tools, um, you know, the this is like the best way, just signing up for some random tournament and playing with people is gonna get you so much uh, insight into your own playing, how other people play. And for the most part, the community is just super nice and always really helpful. So if you have questions, um, you know, during the game or after the game about how you played or how they played or, you know, you want some feedback. People are usually going to be really open to sharing with you their thoughts. Maybe they recognized a couple points where you did something um, that was maybe a little un, uh, you know, unoptimal or just wrong for the situation. Um, and it can just be really helpful to know, you know, know how other people are viewing the decisions you made. Um, Mm -hmm. Because especially when you're learning the cards, there's so much thought into just figuring out how to play what you want to play, let alone like the different variations of that and, you know, how their turn might affect your turn um, based on how the game works and the kind of give and take of it. Um, I think that's, that's the best thing to do is just keep that open mind, be really open to learning new things and just, Take the losses um, gracefully and the wins gracefully. You know, if you get some wins against some people, like don't be there and just say like, oh, it's my first time playing. Like <laughs> nobody really likes to hear that. Um, thank them for the game and, you know, be cool about it because, you know, they are also there to learn. And, you know, I think deep down everyone wants to do well, but it's uh, you know, not always the thing best thing to focus on when you're going into a tournament
0: agreed yeah that was on my list is be open to all outcomes at your first tournament you know um and then on the flow chart if you're over here on the more competitive side uh which is where i kind of come from at these things as a accomplished b-tier player um the big thing that stuck out to me as a person who was trying to uh do the best they could and had no background in tcg's really previous in a competitive manner beyond the kitchen table uh was that it's these are endurance events you know like you show up to your pro quests or your road to nats or your callings or your battle hardens or whatever and they basically, for the most part, just like jam a bunch of rounds of games all in the same day, and don't have a lunch break. And it's the amount of endurance required and level of focus definitely like makes this uh, a sport, you know, in some aspects. If you're trying to be uh, a person to like top eight or win win an event, so you have to be prepared for. The endurance card game experience, which is like um un unlike anything else, I suppose, other than just like intense gaming sessions, which maybe some people are a part of or whatnot. So uh, you have to be ready to like hydrate and feed yourself. You know, like there's not going to be a lunch break for most of the pro quests or road to nationals or that sort of thing and you probably got to play like between six to eight rounds in a row which just right there those are 55 minute rounds uh so that's six to eight hours just in the games not in the like logistics of you know uh games going long tournament organizers making go long you know so you got to be planning to be there for for at least eight to ten hours so you got to bring stuff according to all of that you know and then so if you are a competitive person trying to win, my uh, recommendations continue to be uh, reduce stress, right? So like depending on the type of person you are, I'm a person for card games in particular. I would like my stress to be minimal, my level of arousal to be low. So I would like try to make sure I have like my deck triple checked beforehand. I have my snacks. I have my water. I slept well. I get to the event early. All of those things that would make me anxious. I try to take uh, all of those away. Um, and the other thing, I have two more tips. One, the rounds are going to move really fast. So even though potentially you it says you have three minutes and you're like, okay, I'll go outside or go pee or go take a little walk or re- whatever. If the round ends and everybody's done, they'll start the next round. So uh, you kind of have to... Be prepared for, even though the clock says so much time, you actually don't have that much time. Uh, And then the last one, like Colin said, the community is really great. So I encourage everyone to make friends like you get to sit across the table from uh, a worthy opponent and you play a great game and there's highs and lows and you are now with someone who has a shared interest of yours And could be a potential new friend of yours. Um, I don't know how many people I am like now friends with who I've just played flesh and blood with. You know, I'll show up to, you know, we'll go to the calling or worlds or whatever. And it's just like, man, look at all these people I know because I've been to events and it's like, what's up, homie? You know, and that's really great. So and that's what really makes it worth it. So my my final big tip is make friends.
1: On that note, I'd say, you know, that that starts the moment you sit down and the the energy you bring to the game uh, from like a community and friendly standpoint really affects everything. And just having a little chit chat before where you're from, you know, how long you've been playing. It's all just like nice uh, way to get started in the game because, you know, you're both going to be getting ready. But it's also a reminder that this is supposed to be fun, mm-hmm. and like Taylor said, like this is someone who has a shared interest with you, and could potentially be a very good new friend, and that's a that's a special thing. So uh, take that opportunity when you can, uh, for sure. I, I, and for Isaac, I'll say I know he loves to go stand outside in between rounds as much as he can, just get some fresh air, yep. be in the sunshine. Uh, it can just really help reset. And refocus you um you know after a loss or even after a win because you know both of those can affect your next round a lot and totally uh, want to make sure that you are focused back on uh the game and what your game plan is and not getting distracted by results once again so um, yeah yeah that sounds sounds great we're ready for our first tournament
0: Hell yeah. Let's go. I actually am. I'm like ready, but (laughs) it's still seasoned season. I haven't been playing. So you've listened to our podcast. You're like, cool. I get all of these tips. I need to learn more. So first we have check the show notes. We have a list of our most helpful episodes that I am very proud of all of those episodes. And so is Isaac. So is Colin. So make sure you go listen to those to help you out. The other community resources I would steer you towards is the main discord. So first discord in general, lots of flesh and blood stuff, um, excuse me, happens on discord. So the main flesh and blood discord channel uh, is fairly easy to find. But the only resource I use off of there is the spoiler channel to like see when new spoilers come out. But we have that link to our, our personal discord anyway for the, for the show. Um, But if you don't have that luxury, that's a great place to find them and the judge channel. So if you have a judge question, if you post it in there, it'll usually get answered within the first 10 minutes. So if you're playing at the kitchen table with your uh, briar deck for the very first time, and you're like ooh, i'm unsure of how this interaction goes you just type it out in there and boom someone will answer it and they'll be very um knowledgeable and you can take that as the the right ruling on that so that's one because i know like understanding the rules is one that comes up a lot um if you're looking for some really great community and fun people to be around i recommend the buds discord shout out to fresh and buds a great podcast where Tommy Fresh, friend of the show, does interviews, but he has his own Discord where it's free for, or it's not behind like a, a members-only club or anything like that. So you can just go hang out there, and that's a that's one of my favorite uh, communities to pop into. I would go on to Fabrary dot is it gg. Net net.net that's the great deck builder uh, website it also has at the um on the home page wherever it is is um a content creator tab so uh it's welcome to fab and then over there at the top it has content creators and resources and tools and that sort of thing so content creators So that's a great resource for you to find uh, a bunch of different people who are making content for the game for people to learn Um, or maybe just somebody you find entertaining. So there's a huge list of them there and that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of the heavy hitters are uh, are on there. Um, Lastly, I would say go follow potentially Melody Likes on twitter and find her flesh and blood list she has curated so she has a list of all of the flesh and blood uh people in the community who are on twitter and you can just go follow her list and and check out all of uh the happenings on for flesh and blood and all the right people to follow there so um yeah those would be my community resources to go take a look at colin what do you got
1: i think february is one of the best ones not only because i think it's the best deck building tool um, that provides a lot of great stat information and stuff like that um, they have their own very in-depth faq a whole list of resources and tools on top of the content creators and i just noticed this looking at they also have a jargon tab that uh, shares a lot of the kind of uh, shorthand abbreviations for cards that people use a lot of the time Um, so it's uh, a great resource all around Um, they do a tremendous amount of work and it has just improved so much in the past like six months so i'm very excited to see uh, how that keeps going um but yeah on top of that i think uh the uh if you if you get really into rules and you're interested in maybe being a judge there is a judge uh it's not a judge only uh discord but it is like a judge it's like the central judge discord and you can ask your more kind of nuanced questions there, or if even if you just want to like only ask your judge questions there, you can. They have information on uh, judging resources, uh, like erratas that are coming out. Like once they announce new things like uh, bans or restrictions or changes in the uh, f- uh, rule set itself, uh, they announce them there and they give pretty detailed information on the change log. Um, so that, and you know, if you want to become a judge, they have all the information on how you can do that as well. Um, so that's a great one. Um, and then, yeah, find your local game stores, discord, join that. Uh, if you are friendly with some of the locals, I'm sure they have their own secret discord that you can, uh, sneak your way into. Um, it seems like every local community has their own, um, every region seems to have one, so If you know someone, you know, reach out and ask them if there's a discord that you can join because it, there is like the fab at large, you know, information Mm -hmm. where people think these are the best things. And then there's actually what happens in your local scene, which can be wildly different because yeah, people are going to play what they want to play. So it's really good to know uh, kind of who's there, what they like, what their thoughts are. And then, you know, it does seem like Twitter is a great place. I don't interact a ton on Twitter, but I do like reading some people's, excuse me, some people's opinions. Um, And it can be interesting. Yeah. It's mostly Taylor's. He's got the best tweets. I said that at the top of the show. Uh, (laughs) But the uh, amount of information there is great. I think Twitter itself is not a grain (laughs) in a weird spot that's the hop topic um but uh right now it is for the fab community it's it's some really nice people there generally and you can uh find out a lot of good information um and then you know there is the lss website the articles are in a weird order that make no sense but they do announce a lot of stuff there and they'll drop big information on articles like out of nowhere, sometimes they are kind of pre-announced and then everyone's waiting and refreshing the page and crashing the website. Uh, but that's just how <laughs> excited we get. Um, but also that's where you'll find the information on living legend to find out what cards and heroes are uh, no longer in uh, or legal for uh, competitive play. Um, and then all the rules for, you know, just the game and also tournament rules and things like that. So if you're interested in that, that's just, you know, the main, that's the main website uh, with all the, you know, policy and uh, lore and that kind of stuff as well. There is, oh man, I got to find this. There's like a link. So when has was like a GitHub or something, it has like all the lore articles just compiled mm. in like a nice way. Um, I'll find that and I'll share that in the show notes too. Cause there's a lot Sweet. of just great community Run resources that either uh, aggregate um, or collect information, um, especially during like spoiler season and stuff. So um, you'll you'll find them as as you get more into the community. But we'll we we'll have a good list, and I think the ones we have here are just a good place to start.
0: Hell yeah! Oh, yeah. I forgot
1: one. Uh, Fabric.
0: um
1: This is created by a local guy, Tony. Uh, shout out to Tony. Uh, he is a member of the EDREC team, or EDH EDHREC uh, team. Who It's a huge magic commander uh, site that does uh, data analytics on decks. And they do articles and stuff, but FabREC right now is mostly analytics. You can click on a hero and kind of see the breakdown of what cards are used in most decks that have been registered, which they get theirs from uh, different tournaments. Um, And I think, I'm not sure if they've hooked up with Fabry or uh, Talishar yet, but um, they do pull in a lot of information and then analyze it. And I think they are looking to start adding content and articles as well. So that's a good one to keep an eye on.
0: Hell yeah. Awesome.
1: And that's it. You're ready to go.
0: You're ready to go. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Yeah. This is a lot to take in. It's a lot to learn. You know, it's a process, it's a journey. Uh, I'm excited for anybody who's embarking on it, who's currently on it, et cetera. Um, we didn't talk about this at the beginning of the show, but we usually have signature segments. Um, and I would love to do a board game from the closet with you again, Colin. I think this is going to be a twofer because I do want to reiterate a game. I just got to play again that I'm sure I've already talked about on the show. Having done 58 episodes, I can't remember what I have done or haven't done. Um, but What does Isaac usually say here on the attack action podcast? We play mini games, some we love and not love or something. And and we'd like to share them with you. Uh, So here's a board game from the the closet.
1: That's exactly what he says. That was perfect.
0: Yeah, that was pretty good. (laughs) Uh, So for new year's Eve, I brought over to a small party, captain sonar. And if you haven't played captain sonar, it is a, it's like battleship, but on steroids. So it's basically a team real time submarine hunt. So it's four V four and each person has a different job. So the captain, the first mate, the engineer and the radio operator, who which is my favorite job whose job it is to listen to the other captain and try to figure out where on the map the other submarine is to tell your captain to shoot torpedoes at and blow them up um and it was just so much fun it's so intense like the first couple of games you're like you kind of don't you know my submarine didn't really know specifically where the other one was but we knew they were coming for us so we were just like detonating mines and throwing torpedoes like kind of behind us as we're running away and couldn't put a nail in the coffin and they outmaneuvered us and and sunk our submarine um and then we changed some jobs around and uh i was the radio operator and we had this great moment where i had we had found the other submarine ship and we're we're hunting them down and We got to this point where like they knew where we were. We knew where they were. So we just needed to to, like make our moves quick enough to charge our like weapons and then fire them. And, you know, because it's real time. There's no turns. So it's just like we said firing torpedo before they said firing torpedo. So our torpedo hit them first and killed them. And we all like jumped out of our chairs like, ah, yeah, you know, it was really fun because it was like. You know, this is what games are for is like creating those really exciting moments. So if for if for some reason, sometimes you find yourself with like eight people to play a board game, uh, Captain Sonar can be the right game of choice for sure, Uh, but you have to have kind of the right group because it is can be very intense and it requires cooperation against Mm -hmm in opposition so things can get heated but it's just a freaking great great game so fun yeah and you can role play a little bit my friend tom was like you know i would like to be captain i think i would be he was like campaigning for it like i'll be very fair you know like i won't overwork you you know paid holidays etc you know i'll list everybody has a voice on my ship you know and that sort of thing so it was it was really fun and then my friend keenan was You know, he wrote on his paper, like Gregor, that's who he is. I'm Gregor, the engineer, you know? And and so he started speaking with an accent and stuff. So there's many ways to have fun with that game. So I recommend Captain Sonar. Nice.
1: Yeah, I've never played, but I've seen it. And if you haven't seen it, there's like, there's like a big, like partition between both sides, right? So it's like, you have Mm -hmm. two teams on different sides of the table and basically like a large DM screen blocking both sides so like everyone's kind of doing their thing and they're literally just like furiously trying to do this stuff and listen to each other and yell at each and you know like it it seems (laughs) like a lot of fun Um, yeah but like you said i think you need the right group who's going to be be into that and it it seems like it could be a little stressful so some people some gamers might not be into that but it looks like uh it looks like a lot of fun and i definitely would love to try that one out
0: there's kind of a job for everybody too like if if you don't want something too complicated or whatnot you can choose to be like okay well maybe I'll just be the first mate and make sure we got like our our sonar charged up and our torpedoes loaded and that sort of thing you know and and if you are like I I don't really want to work with the team but I'm like detail oriented and a good listener then you can be like the radio operator and just listen to the other team and what they're doing, you know? And if you're like, you know what? I love being in charge and leading captain is the job for you, et cetera. So I think you can find ways to be successful and a part of the team.
1: Nice. Yeah. That sounds great. Um, cool. Well, I will share a game. I also awesome. uh, played a game recently, uh, just before new year's, at a coworker's house, uh, Shout out to Elliot, doesn't listen, but, you know, great guy. He's my coworker who loves board games. And, you know, we both are just like, oh, yeah, I I just got a new Kickstarter game and we should play it. So (laughs) uh, the game he just got in, uh, which was pretty fun, um, it was called Planet Unknown. This is Mm -hmm. like a planet colonizing kind of game or like terraforming kind of game um but it's kind of main thing is polyominoes so you have these different shaped mm-hmm. uh tiles that you're placing on your planet and there's different rules for placing them and they each have two resources on them and so you're trying to like and it's all kind of a uh, uh each player has their own planet and their own resource track so it's it's not exactly uh solitaire but you know it's everyone's got their own separate board and they're trying to do the best on their own thing um, without a lot of direct interaction but the kind of main mechanic of it is a lazy susan space station where you Mm. grab the pieces from so on your turn you get to rotate it to where you want it and then you get to everyone picks a piece from where it's been rotated to so you get that one choice but then everyone else deals with the choice that is presented them and then you place it and you try to just do better than everyone. And I, I did the worst out of everyone. So, you know, <laughs> was, like, a little annoyed because uh, the, it had like objectives that you had to like, you didn't have to, but you could try to go for. And it seemed like my objective was kind of like it was pushing me towards like the worst resource track to go up. And like, I didn't even get it. And then, you know, so it just kind of put me in a really bad spot. And you have to like you have little rovers and you can move the rover around. It can pick up resources and uh meteors. And you try to like fill up the whole rows and columns to score other points. Um, it's basically just a point salad game. Um, but it was fun, you know, it was cool to do that, play, play down the pieces, fill up your board. And then just totally fail
0: doing it. But <laughs> so, uh, so it's a tableau building game also, right? So each each person has like a tableau they're they're like filling up. Kind of, well you like. have
1: like a board that is the planet and then you're filling in the grid of the planet with your pieces. Right. So yeah. it's like kind of tableau, but it is like on a uh, on a grid. So um kind of like Galaxy Trucker where you have like the grid laid out and you're mm-hmm. putting your pieces on there, but these ones are weird shapes and stuff. Um, cool. And then we play the version where everyone has the same planet and the same resource track, but right. if you flip it over, there's a unique planet with a unique uh, corporation that has a different resource track. So things get like pretty interesting when you um, start doing that, which we didn't do, but I would definitely try that out on the the second playthrough. So that one is a uh, planet unknown and I think it's a pretty new game, but a lot of fun.
0: Totally. Plays one to six players, which is pretty cool. There you and go. its complexity rating is fairly low, so it seems like a good yep. one to to pick up and play. That's really fun. That's cool. Yeah, yeah it looks like I'm...
1: a lot of stuff going on, but I think the mm-hmm. core mechanic, and, and then the fact that everyone's got their own planets makes it a little simpler because you're just like, oh, I'm going to place this here, and I I just have I pick between two pieces. There's like an inner track and an outer track of the Lazy Susan. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny. The the space station is just called Susan with periods in between it, uh, which unfortunately they don't explain what the acronym stands for, but I thought it was really funny that they just like, yes, we'll we'll call it Susan.
0: Yeah, Um, eight eight out of 10 on uh, Board Game Geek. Pretty good game.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I give it an eight, but you know, pretty up there. On Board Game Geek, like a six to a seven can be like a pretty good game. Uh, yeah, based on how their ratings actually work, but it's it's probably a you know seven or seven to eight range.
0: Captain Sonar seven point five. There you go. Recency bias, though, you know it it's a thing,
1: definitely is a thing. <laughs> so there you go. There's our board games from the closet. Hell yeah! Not my closet, somebody else's, but it's it's all the same
0: closet. <laughs> it is spiritually well, speaking spiritually speaking that is our show everybody thank you for being here with us in the new year i hope this was helpful for uh anybody who was listening whether that be a old veteran or a see hilda knows that the podcast is over hilda is my dog um so, hopefully, it's helpful to you, no matter what level you are at in flesh and blood. And Colin, thank you so much for being here today to keep the the streak going, the the podcast firing off and stuff. And uh, I'd expect Isaac to be taking his regular seat beside me on our media empire throne uh, in the next episode. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, Colin. It was a it's a great time. Getting to hang out for these last two hours.
1: Always a pleasure.
0: Hell yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And uh we'll catch y'all in the next episode. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the Attack Action Podcast. On Twitter, we are at BattlebroTaylor and at Battlebro Isaac. Shoot us an email theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.